Good morning, I trust that you're all doing well. I'm really excited about this new series that we're embarking on, and it's entitled Personal Mastery, God's Way. And it's interesting to me because personal mastery is one of those terms that is used a lot, but few people really understand what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you, God, that you're such a good God. We thank you, God, that we're always learning from you. We open our hearts to you and we ask that you would impart something to us during this series. We ask that something powerful be activated in us, Lord, and that we would go to our next level. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Personal mastery involves a set of tools and strategies to help individuals to live and work at their peak. And it's actually about optimizing and maximizing your potential. You know, in life, we often experience this creative tension between vision and reality. I'm sure you can identify with that. This is where I want to be, but this is where I am. How am I going to get there? So true personal mastery involves optimizing your personal assets. I'm not talking about houses and cars and things like that, but I'm talking about your personal assets as in true, true strengths that you have, those strengths that you have that no one can take from you, those inner resources that you use towards goal attainment. It's optimizing those things. You know, some people recoil, especially Christians, when we talk about success, they assume we're talking about selfish ambition. But the thing is, personal mastery, God's way, is actually to do with desiring to maximize your fruitfulness. And if you look in scripture, you'll see that God is glorified when we're fruitful. In John 15 verse 8, this is what Jesus says. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when we are making disciples, when we're discipling people, part of that process is to help people to maximize their fruitfulness. Why? God is glorified when we're fruitful. God is like an investor. He put in so much into creating us and he wants to see what he's going to get out of it. He doesn't just give you gifts, give you talents, give you purpose for nothing. No, he invests in you, pours out in you because he wants to see you come to the fullness of your maturity, the fullness of your potential. You see, what I've learned is that it's one thing to be successful. It's quite another thing to know why you're successful and then replicate your success in a predictable manner. And if I'm going to make disciples, I need to be able to give them success principles and say, if you do A, B, C, D, these are the results you'll find yourself getting. So it needs to be replicable. And so my definition of personal mastery is actually this. Personal mastery is the science of replicable success. You see, this thing of saying I'm successful, but it's, this, it's a mystery. I can't explain it. Sorry, my brother. There are levels. You can't touch this, right? That's wrong. That's not scriptural. So personal mastery is the science of replicable success. It's where you can explain to people these are the keys to getting there. These are the ingredients to getting there. And this is so crucial if you're a disciple-making believer. 
because you want to pass on success habits to others in a way that they believe they can replicate. I like Paul J. Mayer's definition of success. Success is the progressive realization of predetermined, worthwhile, personal goals. Success is the progressive realization. So we haven't yet attained it, but we're heading in the right direction of predetermined, worthwhile, personal goals. And those goals are really personal, aren't they? Because what looks like success for me might not look like success for you. If you believe that you're called to be a missionary um, in outer Mongolia, for example, but you end up a very prosperous uh, investor on Wall Street, for example, the world could look and say, oh, you're so successful, but you weren't progressively realizing your predetermined goals of being a missionary in outer Mongolia, right? So <clears throat> the question we are asking in this series is what do successful people do differently? What do successful people do differently? And each week I'm going to cover a few of these principles until we're done after a number of weeks we're done. So the first thing that successful people do differently is this. Successful people are honest about their current reality. Successful people are honest about their current reality. I have had the privilege of studying the science of success over a number of years and teaching on this subject both in the church and in the corporate world. And I've made many observations. And one of the things I can tell you is that successful people are committed to the truth about where they're at. Emotional honesty is so important to them. You see, before you embark on any endeavor, learn to assess your current reality. Talk about the elephant in the room with yourself. Don't be in denial. You will not be motivated to change if you haven't yet faced the pain of where you currently are. They say 90% of people only change because they are moved by the pain of their current reality. It's only about 10% of people out there who actually change because of the pleasure of what they're pursuing. So most of us change because we come to a place of realizing, I hate this. This is not great. I don't like my current reality. Many of us never change because we haven't faced the truth about our current reality. You know that God assessed his work in creation and he saw that it was good. So self-assessment is an important success principle. And you see this in Genesis 1.31, right? It looks, he looks, he sees, it's good. You know, he creates, he looks, he sees, it's good. He creates man, looks, sees, ah, it's very good, okay? When he creates woman in particular, all right? <clears throat> in scripture, we are actually instructed to examine ourselves. In Galatians 6 verse 4, it says, each one should test their own actions. Now, we've, we, we've had so many actions, haven't we, in our lives thus far, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Successful people do that. And it's not just negative assessment. It's also, hey, let me check out. I think that was quite good. Self-assessment. Even if you look at teams, one of the marks of a, of a great team is that great teams self-assess. They look at themselves and say, guys, are we doing well? No, we're not. They don't just rely 
on some external person to give them input. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Okay? Are you in the faith? Test yourself. Am I really in the faith? The book of Psalms 119 verse 59. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. You will only turn to God after truly considering your ways. It's like the prodigal son. It says when he came to his senses, then he changed. When you consider your ways, then you repent. Lamentations 3 verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. You see, examining your ways is a precursor to returning to the Lord. I like Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 to 7. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You see, some people are in denial here. They're thinking they're harvesting much. But God here says, give careful thought to your ways. Don't deceive yourself. Can you not see that you're not actually harvesting much? Can you not see that you've done a lot of sowing, a lot of planting, but you're not actually fruitful? But you only realize this when you give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many of you feel like that right now? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You know what our problem is? We find that we're not getting breakthrough. We find that we've sown much, but we're not harvesting much. And instead of giving careful thought to our ways, what do we do? We get angry with God. We blame God. We blame other people, right? We need to examine ourselves and be brutally honest about our current reality. You might ask, what does examining my ways actually look like? It means acknowledging where I am really at spiritually, where I'm really at financially, where I'm really at health-wise, where I'm really at relationally. It means facing my work. It means facing myself. It means facing others. And I talk about these things quite a lot, right? So important. What is facing myself? Facing myself actually means that I need to actually be brutally honest with myself. Oh, I'm disorganized. Oh, I'm a poor planner. Oh, I'm a people pleaser, right? Being able to say those things, even positive things about yourself. You know what? I'm actually much smarter than the work I do, right? That's facing yourself. It's looking yourself in the mirror and being brutally honest. All but facing your work. It's where you can actually say, you know what? I find my job really draining. Or I have too many draining moments at work. I don't think I'm cut out for this. I should actually play, be playing that other role over there. Let me talk to my boss about it. That's facing your work. All right? And then facing others involves having difficult conversations with other people where you can actually say, yes, dude, you're right. I have actually been ignoring you. And um, that's because the last three times you've spoken to me, you want something from me. But I believe friendship needs to be mutual. So let's take this from the top. Let's talk about this. You know, 
it's, it's being brutally honest about where you're at, even relationally, and having those difficult conversations. So you face things in your life. You face yourself. You face your work. You face others. Right? So important. So, so important. So it implies that I must stop believing my own press and I must be brutally honest about my situation. It means getting out of denial and considering the feedback that wise people have actually been giving me. And this type of current reality assessment means that I must look at the facts. I must look at the facts. I must look at the truth. You know, if a friend of mine has said to me, dude, you don't got it yet. Hopefully he'll say yet. Okay. And sometimes that's important. You see, some people who enroll for idols and those kinds of things, those shows and so on, shouldn't have. And they need to be told that, right? Very often your performance, right, in whatever you're doing is actually a reflection of your current skill level and experience. So don't beat yourself up when you think you failed, you know, be humble enough to acknowledge that maybe you're not that good yet, right? Maybe you've been conceited. Perhaps you thought of yourself more highly than you ought. You know, those people, some perfectionists are like this, right? They're like, oh, I should have gotten 100% white. No, what you got is a reflection of where you're really at, your current level of experience, your current level of competence, okay? And sometimes it takes humility to actually say, okay, this is where I'm at, so I need to uh, train a bit more in this. Okay, maybe I thought this thing was easy, super easy. I'll be done with it and mastering it in two months, but you actually need two years, all right? You know what I noticed? That we live in a society that loves to tell everyone how great they are, right? You know, with millennials today, right? Oh, you're wonderful. Oh, you can do anything you want to do, right? And honest feedback is looked down upon. Even when it comes to character issues, I heard of a lady in a particular company who's got this habit where she picks her nose and then she eats her snot, okay? It's a habit she has. And when one of my clients was about to give her feedback, the people around her said, no, don't, don't. They were concerned that she would feel embarrassed. But how many of you know that God is more interested in your character than your comfort? Not so, right? So now the converse is true with all of this. Perhaps your current reality is actually better than you thought. Perhaps you actually have more friends and relational assets than you thought. You know, Elijah had to be reminded that he was not alone, right? He was feeling sorry for himself. He thought he was by himself. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18, right? God had to speak to him and say, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Right? He thought he was the only one, but he had all these other people who were also aligned with his cause and had not uh, bowed down to bow. So maybe sometimes you've underestimated the blessing and the abundance around you. Now, some of the scripts that you can use to help you to face reality are the following. Things like, you know what? I've actually backslidden. I, I haven't tithed for many months. I'm actually expecting a harvest, but haven't really sown any seed. I'm actually much smarter than the work I do, yet I don't apply for other roles. You're telling yourself the truth, right? You know, I think I'm afraid of success. You know, I'm actually avoiding anything that looks like hard work. 
I haven't forgiven my parents and that is blocking my progress in other parts of my life. I've made an inner vow that I'll never do business with that group of people and now I'm blocking what God is trying to give me through them. I'm actually in serious debt, but I keep projecting an image of success to everyone. I'm actually significantly overweight and borderline obese. I'm a people pleaser with collapsed boundaries. I've actually got no friends because I reject myself before they can reject me. Can you see that? Are you being brutally honest with yourself? What's your current reality? And some of these scripts that I've shared are things people have actually said to me in coaching situations. And very often when you're coaching people, there's that spark. There's that moment where the shift takes place. And very often it's that moment where someone has been brutally honest with themselves. So that's the first key, the first thing that successful people do differently. The second one I want to share with you today is this. Successful people take responsibility for their lives. Successful people take responsibility for their lives. Once you've conducted a brutal current reality assessment, it's so important to take responsibility for what to do next. You see, I can't find a wife or a husband for you. Okay, I guess I can introduce you to some people, but you have to make things happen. Come on. Uh, the single gents who are listening to me now. I can't lyric a sister for you. You know, you have to dial up your skills and you have to do it for yourself. Right? I can't lose weight for you. You know, your, your wife can't lose weight for you. Your husband can't lose weight for you. You have to do it yourself. There's certain things in life we have to do for ourselves. I can't manage your career for you. Your boss isn't having sleepless nights wondering about your career. You have to manage it for yourself. There are things you can only do, only you can do for yourself. No one can get fit for you. You have to do it. There's some things that can't be imparted. No one can study for you. Many people are writing exams right now. You have to do it, right? There's some things that can't be imparted. People used to ask me what sport I did and my response would either be about my past, what I did 30 years ago, you know, in terms of, um, you know, things I did at a high level, right? Or I'll start talking about my wife's accomplishments until I had to face myself and take responsibility for my own health, for my own level of fitness. I had to come to a point of facing myself and then take responsibility. In Galatians 6 verse 5, it says, For each one should carry their own load. Each one should carry their own load. Find out what your load is in this life and then carry it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. There's the judgment seat of Christ. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you have fire insurance in the sense of you're going to heaven. But you know what? There's the judgment seat of Christ where our works will be judged. I like what Jim Rohn said, you must take personal responsibility. You cannot change the circumstances, the seasons, or the wind, but you can change yourself. I have to look at myself, my current reality, and I have to say, what am I responsible for? And then I change those things. 
And that's one of the beautiful things about being a human being. You can decide, this is what I want to do. And then you aspire and you change these things. You know, when someone takes personal responsibility, they can actually identify with most of these statements. I want to share with you some more scripts, right? These are scripts that someone uses when they are a person who takes responsibility. Try to see if you can do this. I'm accountable for my actions. Is that something you can say? Begin to say it as an affirmation. I create my own life. I can shape my mood. I choose how I respond. W. Clement Stone said, if you realize that you have created your current conditions, then you can uncreate them and recreate them at will. Isn't that powerful? If you realize that you've created your current conditions, then you can uncreate them and recreate them at will. You see, happiness is a choice, isn't it? And you can actually say that happiness is a choice. I'm not a victim. I'm not destroyed by my experiences, but by the stories I tell myself about my experiences. I have the courage to accept my consequences of my actions, to accept the consequences of my actions, my decisions and my mistakes. I have to be courageous to do that. Hey guys, I did this and these are the consequences, right? But you're taking back your power, aren't you? By taking responsibility. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Mercy isn't this automatic thing. Very often we need to cry out to God for mercy. We need to confess and renounce certain things. And then we experience a cleansing. I will stop blaming or complaining. When you blame someone else or something else, you deny yourself the ability to change. This was Cain's issue, wasn't it? He didn't take responsibility. He played the victim and then resentment developed and the resentment turned into bitterness. And that's why in Genesis 4, verse 6 to 7, um, this is after Cain had killed his his brother. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Do you remember around the time that Cain ended up killing his brother Abel, right? God had to speak to him about this. And sadly, he went on to kill his brother. I don't take things personally, right? That is something you would say if you're someone who takes responsibility. <clears throat> In most aspects of my life, I have the power to choose. <clears throat> someone once said, most of us have been conditioned to blame something outside of ourselves for the parts of our life we don't like. Most of us have been conditioned to blame something outside of ourselves for the parts of our life we don't like. Now, of course, there's certain things in your life that are beyond your control, right? But you're responsible for your attitude when you're faced with those hardships. You can have two people with the same experiences and one comes out bitter, the other one comes out better. Two people, same experience. The other one turns their tragedy into a triumph, right? One can turn their mess into a message. What story are you telling yourself about your experiences? Right. <clears throat> I believe that God is taking us to a place where we actually 
initiate difficult conversations, where we actually examine ourselves on the ladder of accountability and can actually say, what am I doing about my difficult situations? Am I going to take ownership and responsibility or not? And I love this accountability ladder, and I've shown it to many of you before, right? Are you operating from a place of powerlessness where you're right there, you know, you're unaware of your situation, you're unaware, you don't know what you don't know, or at level two where you're blaming other people all the time, right? Who do you typically blame? Some people are wired like that. The moment they mess up, oh, it's this person's fault, right? Maybe you're operating at level three where you are continuously making excuses, where you are rationalizing away your mediocrity, you know? Uh, you must understand, Paul, yes, I'm a good salesperson, but I'm operating in this region. I'm not in Gauteng. I'm out here. I'm in the Northern Cape, Paul, you must understand. Or I'm in the Eastern Cape, Paul, you must understand. I'm not in Santon, right? You hear people saying things like this. Or are you just waiting and hoping? There's a fine line between being patient as a person and being passive as a person. And what we often think is patience is actually passivity. And all of that is to do with powerlessness. I believe that God is taking us to a place where we take our power back and we begin to acknowledge reality. We begin to take ownership. We find solutions and then we lead and make things happen. That's where we need to operate above that line. Take responsibility. It's so important. And we need to be teaching the next generation to do that. Right? Often we keep bailing our kids out of certain things and they never experience the consequences of choices that they've made and they never take ownership and they never take responsibility. I believe that's the second thing that successful people do differently. They take responsibility. And I want to share with you the third and final thing for today that successful people do differently. Successful people have a growth mindset. They have a growth mindset some of you are familiar with the concept of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And this concept was developed by a U.S. psychologist, Carol Dweck. And um, Carol was studying motiv motivation in people and uh, came up with certain concepts that are so powerful for us today. You see, there are conscious and subconscious patterns that are actually developed from a young age. And some people have a growth mindset while some people have a fixed mindset. And fixed mindset thinking says, if I can't do it now, I'll never be able to do it. You know, I was born on the wrong side of the railway track. I went to the wrong school. I'm the wrong color. I'm to this, I'm to that, right? And people from my family will never make it in life. And if you have this mindset, then your mind is programmed to more readily accept failure than success. You have settled for a mediocre life. The growth mindset, on the other hand, says if you put your mind to it and you position yourself to learn, you can actually do it. That's the growth mentality. And I love the transformation of certain people in the Bible. I mean, look at people like Peter. He definitely had a growth mindset. One moment he's denying Christ, and then some months later, he's filled with the Spirit and he's speaking boldly on the day of Pentecost, telling people that they need to repent. Later on, you see that he's making comments that show that he's really been transformed from the spirit of fear, for example. In Acts chapter 5, verse 28 to 29, it says, says this, um, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. 
he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. I think that's so powerful. Isn't it amazing? This is the same guy who was saying, no, 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 no. I'm not a follower of Christ. I don't know who this, this Jesus is. Right? And now he's basically saying, we must obey God rather than human beings responding to authorities. These guys could have been killed for this. And yet he was so bold. That's transformation. I've learned that human beings have an amazing capacity, amazing ability to actually be transformed and to change. You see, your personal development is one of the best gifts that you can give the people around you. I remember when my wife was about 30 years of age, um, she already could play a couple of instruments, but she loved the sound of the cello and she made a decision to really take up the cello seriously. She got um, a particular lady, Russian lady actually, uh, who is based here in uh, the Pretoria area, and um, she actually started having lessons from this person. And within a few years, she had already done her grade six cello exam, all right? That's a growth mindset. She literally had that mindset that, you know what, let me dedicate myself to mastering this particular instrument that I love the sound of, and I can do it. And she was committed, and I tell you, she was committed. She's fully focused on that, right? So the growth mindset results in you having lots of grit. Grit is commitment to long-term goals despite the obstacles. You see, fixed mindset people give up when they experience hurdles and obstacles, believing that, you know what, I'm not cut out for this, right? They get one piece of negative feedback and they're like, I can't do it, right? It's so important to understand that human beings have a great capacity to change and to develop. And that's what the elasticity of the brain speaks of. It implies that the brain is not static. It can absorb so much and continuously develop new neural pathways to cater for new learning, right? What do you need to learn? How do you need to grow? What do you want to become in life? Successful people love learning what is relevant to them in order to attain their goals. They don't wait passively for whatever the next seminar is going to be but they actually search for knowledge and then they apply that new knowledge that they've gained. Isn't that awesome, right? In order to attain their goals. So important, so, so important. One person who's really good at this is Sipo, who does uh, our media, he does our video editing. So Sipo, as you're editing this, you will, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, I was with Sipo and Trish just uh, yesterday and I said, Sipo, one of your greatest strengths is self-learning. Sipo will literally just decide, you know what, I want to master e-learning, right? And then he will study the e-learning platforms and he literally ended up mastering Thinkific and ended up helping me with my online platform, right? Um, now he's getting into other things that I, I won't mention. It's his story to tell. But the point is this, when you have a growth mindset, your mindset is, hmm, in order to go where I want to go, this is what I need to master. You don't wait for someone passively to teach you. You say, I'm going to search out this stuff and I'm going to train in it. What is it that you want to grow in? Have you got a growth mindset or have you got a fixed mindset? Okay. These individuals they're so powerful. They understand the hierarchies of knowledge, right? There's what you learn from just reading a book or an article, but there's also what you learn from investing in a workshop that demands you to be fully engaged in order to demonstrate your knowledge. 
So they see the value of getting mentorship, for example, from those who are experienced in what they're pursuing. You see, there's a hierarchy when it comes to acquisition of knowledge. You can just read a book or you can actually go to a mastermind class, right? What are you doing? Or you can pursue a mentor and say, I want to maximize on what you know. And so you ask them more than five questions deep. Do you have a growth mindset? Do you have clear learning goals? And are you using learning action plans, for example? Are you aware of the destiny helpers that can take you to your next level by mentoring you? Are you pursuing them? Or are you passively waiting to be pursued? That's important. You know, when it comes to mentorship and being mentored, the mentee is responsible to actually pursue the mentor as opposed to passively just waiting there. I'm waiting for my pastors to come and just minister to me and teach me certain things. Look, pursue them. I'm waiting, that person who I admire so much, I'm, you see, I'm hoping that he'll make time in his schedule for me because I've asked him once before. Ask him three times. He's a busy person, all right? He's a busy person. I like what uh, Gennaro Cuafano uh, outlines with regards to the growth mindset, all right? <clears throat> An individual with a growth mindset perseveres after experiencing failure or rejection. They find inspiration in the success of others. They consider criticism a valuable tool for personal development. They have an interest and willingness to learn. They persist in overcoming obstacles. On the other hand, when someone has a fixed mindset, right, they want to prove their intelligence or talent with no desire to improve it, but they just want to prove it to people. Right? They avoid challenging circumstances for fear of failure. They treat criticism as a personal attack, and in so doing, they ignore valuable feedback. They feel threatened by the success of others. They give up easily in situations requiring hard work and stamina. I want to encourage you to develop a growth mindset. I want to encourage you to stop saying, people like me, this is our level. This is how I was born. I'll never be good at any of those things. And my current level of competence is here and it can't increase. That's the mindset. That's fixed mindset thinking. And the moment they mess up, their mindset is, you see, I told you, that just confirms my theory. I can't do it. You can. If we apply these three principles of success that I've shared with you, we're already on our way to our next level. And I wanna encourage you to stay with me in this particular series because next week I'm gonna talk about some of the visioneering themes around personal success. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask that you will help us with what we've covered today. Father, may you help us to face reality and to really be brutally honest with ourselves. May you help us, Lord, to be committed to the truth about ourselves about our work and about others and even about you, Lord. We open our heart, Lord, to really face our current reality and not to be in denial. Father, we pray that you take us to a place where we truly take responsibility for our current reality, where we don't blame other people, but we literally focus on those things that we can change and we begin to take responsibility. 
And Lord, I pray for each person who's listened to this message that you'd give each one of us, Lord, a growth mindset, that you'd break us out of the fixed mindset into a growth mindset that says, if I put my mind to something and I apply myself to it, I can actually grow, I can actually develop. We commit ourselves to this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to encourage you to go from here remembering that your personal development is the best gift you can give the people around you. If you've got anger issues, go for anger management, right? Get help in that particular area. If you struggle with setting goals, stay with us in this particular series because I'll show you how to set goals next week. We'll start talking about visioneering and having a dream for your life. Whatever it is that you're facing where you see a gap, you can fill those gaps through your own personal development. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.